You're listening to the Holt Center Podcast. On today's episode, Rich Hobby is speaking with Alicia Odawale. Welcome to the Holt Center Podcast. This is Rich Hobby, Director of Marketing at the Holt Center, and I'm so pleased to have you listening in on this episode where we'll be speaking with Dr. Alicia Odawale, Assistant Professor of Anthropology at the University of Tulsa. Her research and teaching focuses on archaeological sites of African heritage in St. Croix, the U.S. Virgin Islands, and Oklahoma. Dr. Odawale will be here in Eugene on Monday, March 28th for National Geographic Live, Greenwood, A Century of Resilience. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We are so happy to have you coming to the Holt Center uh, for this presentation of National Geographic Live. And it, it deals obviously with a very heavy topic of the Tulsa race massacres, but I was wondering if you could give us a brief overview of what your talk is going to be about. Sure. The talk, Greenwood, a Century of Resilience, is all about, uh, it's an experience rather, to go into a specific point in history, but to go on a journey to explain how the community of Greenwood has changed over the course of 100 years. Uh, And we're doing so through a lens of archaeology, but through a lens of history, through a lens of uh, sort of ancestral knowledge as well. So it's a a lot of things packed together in one, but it's it's a comprehensive story and experience that I'm hoping that audiences are uh, encouraged to go along through. And it is it is a hundred year journey. So we try and tell that story in 70 minutes. It's a lot to accomplish, but uh, we, we're proud of the work that we've done. Mm-hmm. And as a native of Oklahoma, why is this uh, work important to you? It's important to me personally, because this is part of my family's story, but this is also you know, my hometown. So a lot of the work we're doing now to shed light on Greenwood and the fact that Greenwood still exists, it's allowing us to disrupt a myth, a myth that has been circulating in like popular culture for way too long, that uh, Greenwood or Tulsa or has been, uh, was destroyed in 1921 and that's the end of its story. But we're able to completely change that narrative through this show. So that Greenwood's still here, Greenwood never left and Greenwood still survives today. For those unfamiliar with the term Greenwood itself, um, can you t- explain a little bit more about the context of what the town Greenwood was um, and how, and, and, and well, yeah, just a little synopsis of, of just what it was and what it meant to uh, the Black community at that time? So Greenwood is a community, a whole neighborhood, a district that exists within the city of Tulsa. We have been and I have been researching and writing about this as a black town. So Oklahoma has uh, a long history of all black towns in its before Oklahoma even became a state. And so Greenwood is one of those cities where you can speak about this as an all black town. It just happens to be situated inside the city of Tulsa. So as a predominantly black and indigenous space, this has been a an ongoing lively community since before Oklahoma became a state in 1907. And for this presentation, um, it it seems that you have a strong focus on on really the history following uh, the incident. Um, And why are you choosing uh, 
to focus on that. Um, I, I saw in previous talks about the difference between uh, restorative and uh, reparative justice, or sorry, or archaeology. I may have gotten that wrong. Uh, restorative okay. versus re retributive uh, archaeology. Yes. And I was, yes. I'd love if you could kind of explain a little bit about that. That's opening up a can of worms. No. <laughs> uh, but let me <laughs> let me first say that uh, you you asked first why we're talking talking about the aftermath so much. And that focus is because there's been so much that's already been written, researched, produced about the Tulsa Race Massacre and Greenwood during that time in 1921, but not as much focus on this period of 100 years after and what has happened, especially as an archaeologist, not looking at this through a completely different lens. Uh, but we we want to acknowledge that there's been so many people who have dedicated their lives to telling the story and researching and writing about this before I even existed as a person. Uh, so the, our focus on the aftermath is to acknowledge that previous work, but to shed light on this this longer history and longer longer cycles in history beyond just what happened at that one uh, insular point in our history, but to show how these these incidents are connected. And there's a larger story here to connect the past and the present together. And so our restorative justice work is doing exactly that, trying to repair those connections and really ensure that we can draw linkages between uh, past incidences and uh, symptoms of oppression and how we can observe our present day and how things are these lingering impacts of trauma and oppression and inequality and a lot of things that we are experiencing in our uh, reality on a daily level. So how do we connect these two together and really show for, for larger audiences, but for other people who are maybe not as familiar with how these things relate to one another, how do we even get here? <laughs> it's kind of, we're trying to paint a picture. find that the work that you're doing in Tulsa is relevant to other communities in the United States that had similar um, dark past or uh, dark past might not be the right but but um, past conflicts or strifes uh, between between different groups is there uh, is there value in that for other uh, areas to learn from I would say absolutely our our city and our our district, our community of Greenwood, I mean, there's there's been so many other cities, other groups, other, other neighborhoods that have experienced mass trauma, what we call acts of anti-Black violence, racial violence, and basically domestic terrorism. And so we're using these terms not lightly, but to describe these incidents of, that, that are terrorizing communities. Uh, and there's been so many that have happened in our history uh, but but if they, we are continuing to see that happen. Uh, so the way we're wanting to kind of treat Greenwood as a standalone story, it's because the story of Greenwood needs to be told before we compare it to these other sites of racial violence. But they are definitely out there and definitely have their own uh, histories and archaeology and heritage that are uh definitely should be known as well. But I think Greenwood, we have to really kind of separate out a lot of fact and fiction about Greenwood's story before we start a comparative analysis. But that, that could definitely happen in the future. 
Yeah, and I'm sure you get this question a lot. Um, and I tried to think of a unique way of asking this, but what how did what was your life the day after Watchmen aired? Uh where was there a little bit of a why'd it take you all so long uh <laughs> to, to know about this? Or I I just love to know like your life before the pop culture acknowledgement of of this moment to kind of afterwards and, and the catch up that's been happening. Uh, well, I, I can't speak for everyone, but for me, Watchmen didn't really affect my work at all. Mm -hmm. uh, it was mainly the centennial. So once people were kind of getting attuned to the centennial and then when the when Watchmen aired, there was also Lovecraft Country and other shows that are featuring this story. So I think a lot more people became aware of it, but I wasn't getting a lot of phone calls, emails and texts and all that until the centennial hit. And then there was a lot of interest and I'm specifically referring to the centennial in terms of 2021, 1921 to 2021. Uh, so when this happened, my, what, so we, we launched our research project back in 2019. So we've been doing this work a while, but it was only recently that we've gotten a lot of like national interest in it. <laughs> But I don't know if it's Watchmen or a combination of things, because right when the centennial hit, there were a good 10 documentary teams that reached out to me. And I'm like, what, why? <laughs> why are you just now deciding that uh, you know, you're wanting to do this? But there, there was a lot of, uh, a lot of curious people as well that were reaching out to me and asking questions about like, why, why did I not know this? How could I know this? Do you recommend any reading? So I loved for people to reach out to me with those kind of questions. And this is why we launched the Tulsa Syllabus back in, on Juneteenth of 2020 to give people a way to lean into more readings about Greenwood and about this heritage and history. If all they've learned is, you know, hearing about Watchmen or hearing about the Centennial or hearing about something else in the media, and they, they don't know where to go or where to turn to get some... Uh, some tangible, like local historian-driven information. Uh, so yeah, it's been it's been a whirlwind, but I don't know if it's all generated as by Watchmen as a catalyst. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think that there are just moments when uh, topics just kind of bubble up to the top. Because I yes. also wanted to mention the, the Lovecraft country that that there really did just all these things happened in conjunction to where it you, you couldn't look away. Uh, from the yeah. truth being out there, which uh, I, I just know a lot of people in the arts were really kind of uh, just shocked by by what it took for those three things to all happen all, all at once. Um, it, well, it's curious that I mean we're in this moment because I do want to highlight that you know while there were a lot of documentaries and media news outlets and uh, things being written about Greenwood, once the centennial was over we then experienced this uh, phenomenon where people are blowing in and kind of blowing out of town without having a real change happen in the community. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I would love to see a lot more engagement. That's, that's kind of what I uh, encourage people to like question or think about in the show. How, the, how can you have a, a, laster, a longer lasting impact uh, whenever you are working with communities, whenever you are, uh, trying to contribute 
to change in terms of uh, collective healing from trauma and what that looks like. So there's there's a lot of room, I would say, for more engagement beyond just telling a story or telling someone else's story rather and leaving. <laughs> right. Well, speaking about your show, could you give us um, like what what would this presentation be, um, and and who is it appropriate for? Well, this this show is for everyone. Anyone who is wanting to know more about Greenwood and this experience of Black Heritage in Oklahoma and how we even got here, how we even got to this place where uh, we, we are still, I would say, socially segregated in the city of Tulsa. It's not legal segregation, of course, but uh, there's still a lot of uh, work to do in terms of how we relate to one another in this city. And Greenwood is, in the heart of what we call North Tulsa. And North Tulsa is still sitting in a, a food desert today. So there, there's a lot of real social issues that we are working towards uh, solving. And this show is just a way to, it's, it's a love letter to my community in Greenwood, but it's also a love letter to educators. It's a love letter to uh, people who survived 1921 and, and stayed and rebuilt and changed history. Mm -hmm. Now, I see you've done a number of these presentations recently. Um, what has been the, the reaction of, of audience members? Have you had any feedback? Oh, <laughs> I've had lots of feedback. And there's been, I would say, mixed reactions, because uh, I, I, I think this is an absolute uh, way of seeing how people are how people learn, different learning styles, different ways of processing new information, especially information that can be challenging to what you previously knew or you know anything. So as audiences are in real time reacting, sometimes I'm getting a lot of applause. Sometimes I'm getting a lot of, uh, oh, thank you so much for telling this story. I didn't know about this. I'm so thankful that you're doing this. Then there are other people who want to argue and uh, that are, kind of challenged by the content, uh, wanting to know why we're making it about race. Like there's a, there's a lot of questions related to that. Uh, and we're, we're just kind of continuing to not change our narrative, not uh, change the way we're doing things, but make sure we're trying to uh, meet people where they are and try to bring them a bit further on in the journey of understanding this history because you cannot talk about Greenwood and what happened in 1921 without talking about race. So if you if you think the two are separate, then we have to have a further conversation. <laughs> yeah, but it's been a mixed bag in how, how people are reacting, but I've been enjoying it and I'm just really enjoying uh, the, the Q&A portion. So that I know after this show, we'll have a lovely Q&A and I would love for people to stay because it's in those Q&A sessions that I really get to know what people are thinking, how they're responding, how they're processing information, but also it gives me a way to share more about Greenwood because at every show at, during the Q&A, I like to highlight or feature a local Black-owned business or organization in Greenwood for people to patronize. And so there's a lot of more discussion that's happening in the Q&A that I can even do in that 70-minute show. Well, as a, a science junkie myself, uh, I have to ask, what's it like working with National Geographic? Uh, is, is there kind of like a bucket list check that you that you got to mark off as an archaeologist? Actually, no. I, uh, I had no, like, 
visions or plans of working with National Geographic. Uh, I somebody reached out to me from Nat Geo Live and asked if I would be interested in telling a story that I've already been telling in the classroom at my site and other spaces. So it it wasn't something that was uh, I don't know that I was working towards or like working to get. It just happened as I as people had heard me already doing this and just wanting to make it a bit more structured for people around the country to hear. Excellent. Uh, well, one other area I know that you're very passionate about is education. Um, and yes. um, I know that you, you've you also run uh, an education group with um, female archaeology students in St. Croix, if, I, if I'm correct. But I was wondering overall, like, what, how is education uh, connecting with this work that you're doing currently? Yeah, this is, uh, and let me uh, say that the field school that I, that we are running in St. Croix, it's not for uh, women only. It is for any yeah, student who is, and specifically we target uh, from high school up to graduate students. Uh, there are people that are uh, my, my colleagues that have been partnering with HBCUs to bring in students around the country into this program, but we also have another partner who's been uh, training up local homegrown scholars in St. Croix to do work. So my my purpose in this uh, and sharing this show is to, one, bring it into classroom spaces, but also have a way to kind of go around some of our uh, unique laws in our state that have been passed to make it, that makes it a bit difficult to teach history in a way that is um, authentic to the experiences of our ancestors. So this show is a way to kind of go around those kind of uh, restrictions, but still share a story that we feel is meaningful to us in our community. So it's very important to me. I always like to try to ask this question, but for, for the person sitting on the fence, the person that might say this topic's too heavy or, or too depressing, um, what would you say to that person to convince them that this is a show that's important for them to see? Well, that's a good question. I think to, to respond to that uh, critique, my, my response would be, you know, if, if people were strong enough to survive it, you should be strong enough to hear about it. Wow, I like that. But it's it's also <laughs> but it's also something that I feel like so many people need to know just to encourage them because it is not just a show about trauma, it's a show about surviving and fighting and against all odds finding a way to success and call call a place home even if that uh, that place has been uh, a space of violence and death reframing the entire narrative to be a space of community like this this is a story everyone needs to hear i maybe i'm probably misquoting you a little bit here but i was really touched by a phrase that you said regarding that you know not everyone in greenwood was affluent that it wasn't you know this this collection of just super wealthy uh um, black people, but that it, so, and sorry, in this quote, you kind of said that not everyone was affluent, but everyone had the choice for their own destiny. Um, and, and I was wondering if you might be able to expand a little bit about that, about what that environment was like before the, the, uh, before the massacre, where was that hope and, and that freedom kind of generating? Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, not to give the show away, but and I and I think <laughs> I think that uh, what when people come to hear this story, they'll hear more about the the roots of this community. Where did this resilience come from, and uh, also where how how do we get to see a community that decides to even even after everything has happened decides to defy the odds and thrive in this place. And then we are the products of that. We are, we are the descendants of that. So it, it's an encouraging uh, experience. So I'm, I'm hoping that people walk away with, and this is, this is kind of why we get a lot of applause during the show is that, yes, we, we have to walk you through a very difficult point in history, but we're also talking about dreaming and, what would it look like to have this space where you can have exactly what I was saying in the other talk, that the color of your skin does not limit your ability to succeed in any environment. And what, what if we had, what if Greenwood would have been allowed to just exist and thrive undisturbed? And what would a healed Greenwood look like today? These are all questions that we can consider as we're walking through this 100 year journey. But uh, I don't want to give any more of the show away because there's lots, lots of stuff that we dive into during the show. Well, yeah, no, I think that's the perfect time for us to, to wrap it up right there. But uh, Dr. Odawale, we are so excited to have you here uh, on March 28th uh, for National Geographic Live, Greenwood, A Century of Resilience. Tickets are available right now at holtcenter.org. Um, and yeah, we look forward to seeing you very soon. And thank you again for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Holt Center podcast. If you're interested in this or any other upcoming events, please check out holtcenter.org.